Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, you can go ahead and open to the book of Acts. And we're going to, uh, we're going to be in the last part of chapter two and into the first part of chapter three. With that being said, I want to just read, uh, the last part of chapter two and we'll pray and we'll get into into the message today. Verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Father, this morning, I'd just like to come before you and I just, my prayer, Lord, today, God, as we have come and we have met in the name of Jesus We thank you for that, that we can freely do that without any threat of harm or persecution. And at the time that we live in, that could all change in a moment's notice. But we want to thank you for that, Father. And we pray this morning that, God, that you would get glory in this word. That, Father, your word would be proclaimed and that Christ would be exalted. We pray that your will would be done, nothing more and nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about just living the Christian life day by day, or you could say just daily living it. Uh, we, we live in a time where the Christian culture sometimes is, is geared around big events, uh, conferences, concerts, things like that. But to be quite honest, the, the, the Christian life is just a daily, just as you go, just living for Christ. And I think sometimes we forget that. You know, it's like there, there's people that they get. I remember I was with a group of guys at one time. And back then, the big thing, and, and I'll just say this, in Christendom was, was promise keepers. That was a big Christian movement amongst Christian men. And, and, and it was like some of these guys, I never would see them until the event came around each year. And one guy even made a statement. He said, this is like a Christian's Christmas all year long. I mean, usually like when this thing would happen, there was one guy in particular I'm thinking of. He would just be so on fire. He's ready to preach to the world for about two weeks. Then he faded out. He wasn't in church until the next time came around. He got invited back and it just went on and on. Well, the, the truth of the matter is, the Christian life is just lived day by day. Now, where we finished up last time was we finished up with verse 42, even though I read through chapter, all the way through chapter 2. But we want to look at this just briefly today, and we want to get into chapter 3. As as God is 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 saving people, I mean, you just think about Peter's first message Talk about not really being prepared for a church plan. This church goes from 120 that are praying, and now you've got 3,000 added to that. 
But it says, it says, awe came upon every soul, and many sign, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, now obviously, with where there's wonders and signs, there's going to be miracles that are preceding this. So they're doing these miraculous things amongst the people. The 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 people are, you know, they they, I mean, they're wondering, and they're like, what is going on? And but all of these things are always. A sign. Part of the sign is God is validating the apostles. He's saying, these are my appointed people. They're the ones that I'm working through. They're the ones that are, 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 are preaching the things that I'm saying. And so there was a sign for that. There was a sign that what were the apostles doing? In return, what were they doing? They were putting all the focus and all of the glory. They were always pointing back to Christ, right? But the signs were also there for certain things. It's like God was showing them what was about to happen or, you know, and we'll get into that in chapter 3. But look at this, it says, and, and it, now I want, I want to look at this part right here. Because here's the thing, he says, all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, there's a lot of, back in, in time, and even today we will go through this in Christianity. We will see at times where people want to kind of get a commune going, you know. It's like, let's just all get rid of this, you know, our houses and everything. We'll just all live together and we'll have all things in common. Well, that's really not what the Bible teaches. Matt over shake his head like, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. You know, when, when you read this verse, the people who have a lot, fear grips their heart, right? They don't want to give up what they've worked for. People who don't have nothing, they're like, yeah, I kind of like this idea. You know, I'll get to use John's boat and, you know, this and that. And Okay, here's what was going on. And I, you know, I'm glad that Tyler's here today because we were visiting this morning. Just give you an example of what I think this is really like. There's a brother that he knows really well in Tulsa, and I know him, you know, just through me, through him. And and here's the thing: this guy's name is Mike Krebs. He's an awesome guy, and he is about to go to Jordan. Him and his wife are, and their little baby, and they're going to go to Jordan as missionaries. And so, what's he doing? He's trying to sell things, get rid of things. But guess what? When he sees somebody that is in need, a guy asks him. He says, "What do you?" He says, "You got this car." He says, "What are you going to do with your other car?" And he goes, "I'm going to give it to my brother." And the guy's like, man, wouldn't it make sense that you would sell this? He goes, well, man, he really needs it, and he don't have a lot. Tyler called him about something, about another car, and he says, he says, what are you going to, how much are you selling that car for? And he goes, do you need the car? And Tyler knows, he said, if I need the car, he's going to give it to me. You see, in the Christian community, there ought to be such a care for one another, such a family atmosphere. That when we see one another in need or whatever, that, that our mind is that, hey, I want to help my brother and my sister in the Lord, you know. We want to see those things happening amongst the church. It's not that God is telling us, go sell everything, let's all live in, you know, something like Waco or something like that. We, that's not what he's talking about. But what we're seeing amongst the church, we're seeing a unity, we're seeing a, a care, we're seeing a bond and you got to picture something. This is the early church, right? In the New Testament church, this is, or I mean, there's an excitement. I got to be honest, where we don't really fit into this is we're not out doing miracles and things like that. So 
They had a little something that maybe we don't have at that time. But then it says, now listen, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together, they were breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This is on a daily basis what's going on. What were they doing attending the, the temple together? Well, I mean, we're going to read in the very next verse, next chapter as we get to it. We're, they're going to the temple to pray. I mean, isn't it, isn't it awesome? I, and I mentioned this a couple of Wednesdays ago. But, you know, I, I imagine I don't know what goes through visitors' mind when they walk in our church. You don't have this, uh, everybody's just kind of hushed in this quiet setting. Sydney's sitting there smiling at me. She, she's been here enough now that she knows. People are visiting. People are fellowshipping in the Lord. There's a lot of conversation going on. Maybe there's some nonsense. There probably is. I might have been involved in a little bit of that. Y'all just had to forgive me. But for the most part, there's such an excitement to be in the house of the Lord, to be together with your brethren. There's an excitement, and that is an incredible thing that you do not want to take for granted, okay? But daily, they are attending the temple. They're, they're breaking bread in their homes. It, it, it's really, for me personally, I've always kind of, you know, where I lived was always kind of in a central place amongst the body, wherever I was at. And we're just used to having people in our homes, and now we still want that. We've had a rough year. Everybody's had a rough year. Amen. I mean, don't want to say amen like that's a good thing, but in agreement. Worst case of the flu I've ever seen. It just keeps hitting in wave after wave after wave. But we love having the brethren in our home. We love to have hospitality and, and these things. Sometimes I'm kind of hesitant to even ask you because you got to drive a half an hour to get to my house. But this is what was going on in the church. And it says, and they receive their food. I mean, just how awesome it is. And I want you to picture this. All of these people, for the most part, are new believers. These were the people who were crying, crucify him. Away with him. Give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. And then they hear Peter's sermon. And he said, this Jesus, whom you crucified, whom you slew with wicked hands, God raised him up. It caused a lot of problems, that statement, didn't it? They knew he died on the cross. They knew he had bled on the cross. But this problem here with that God raised him up, if that's true, then he's exactly who he claimed to be, and we have crucified the Son of God. What must we do now? Repent. Put your faith in Christ. They're new believers. There's an excitement. I mean, we are, we are in Christ. This is what Joel was talking about. All of these things going on. And people are sharing their food. They're generous. They're glad to receive. I mean, there's just such a, a, a fellowship going on. And then it says, and they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Now, I want you to know something. Paul, in his last letter, I'm going through 2 Timothy, actually, on Wednesday nights. In the end of 2 Timothy, Paul gives him some final instructions, and he tells him this. He says, preach the word. And then he says, be instant in season and out of season. Church, there's going to be times where it's in season. I mean, the times of George Whitfield preaching in the fields to sometimes up to 50,000 people. 
God, no doubt, had to supernaturally carry his voice. They said people five miles away sometimes could hear his preaching. There's times that even though he wasn't in favor with the church at the time, but he was in favor with the people. He would come to America and thousands upon thousands would come out to hear him preach in the open fields. And there's going to be times when you're not in favor, when you're like a, a Tyndale, you know, the Bible translator, and you're having to hide for fear that you're going, as soon as they catch you, they're going to put you to death. But this is a time when the church had favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what we're seeing, we're just seeing Christian life. Now, I want to ask you something. As Christians, if you're a born-again believer today, I want to ask you a question. Is your, are you a Christian first? Is that what you're, is that what you're about? And, you know, you gotta work for a living, you gotta do certain things. Or is your life, well, this is what I do, this is my career, and yes, we also go to church. Have you ever noticed that people like that, Typically, if there's anything going to be put on the shelf, we're going to do away with something, church comes first. Well, we got, we're, we're really tight on money. I guess we'll do away with giving to the church first. Or are you one of those people that's truly been born again and you realize that Christ is your life? That this is what it's about first and foremost. And everything else comes secondary. Because now, listen, I'm not trying to beat anybody up today, because honestly, if I was to go through the room and I could start asking, I mean, my son-in-law, Tyler, he's one of my favorite people. First of all, he's my son-in-law. Um, that don't mean, that don't mean, hey, this is because you got a son-in-law, don't mean it's your favorite person. But I remember one time him and Kaylee, you know, she, we, we knew he liked her. We wasn't sure about her so much that we told her, we said, look, if this ain't going to work out, it's fine, but you let him know, but. Me and your mom talked, we're probably going to keep him. She wasn't so sure about that one, but, but he, he's one of the hardest workers in his effort of reaching out to people. And this is what he tells me this morning. I don't do near enough. I promise you, I could go through the room and say, do you feel like you're a Christian first? And probably every one of us will say, no, I feel like I'm adding. Listen, there's that part in you as a believer that you know that we can always do more. But let that be in your mind that Christ is first. The giving to His cause is first. My job comes secondary. Yes, but I, I went to school. I've got a career. I don't care. Christ is first. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the good doctor, he was a, he was a doctor and he gave it all up because God had called him to the ministry because Christ was first. I want to ask you this, are you living your lives in light of Romans chapter 12? And I'm going to go read it because every time I think I know a passage really well and I go to quote it, I butcher it. The first 11 chapters in Romans is he's explaining what God has done for us. This is what God has done. This is how he saved you. This is how you're righteous. This is how you've been justified. And then from 12 to the end, we're dealing with application. How do we live this life out. And in chapter 12 of Romans, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
And what's this living sacrifice supposed to look like? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Are we living in light of that? That we're living as a, as, as a living sacrifice that we're, that every day we get up, are we looking for the opportunities that are in front of us? Is that, is that us? And listen, as the guy that's preaching this message to you, trust me, I'm, I'm beating myself up first, okay? I've already had to wrestle through this and study. So yeah, could we all do better? Absolutely. But I hope this message today encourages you in that. I had a thought hit me several years ago. I was thinking about mission work. I think about that a lot. You probably kind of gathered that from now. I mean, just from getting to know me a little bit. And I started thinking, what if I was a missionary on a mission field? What would my life look like? And I thought my whole frame of mind would always be about the mission. That's the way, this way, that's at least the way I picture it. And then I thought, what if I lived my life right now where I'm at as though I was a missionary on a mission field? Would my life really look like what it looks like right now? And I had to tell myself, no, it wouldn't. So in this daily, this daily living out the Christian life that has ups and it has downs, it has the good times and the bad. I mean, I hear people all the time go, I'm going through such a trial. We're all going through trials, okay? And somebody will say, but they're so hard. Well, guess why it's called a trial? Okay, that's why it's called that. It's appropriately named. Now, yes, some people are going through a greater degree of a difficulty for sure. Some to a lesser degree, but we're all going through those things. But I want us to take a look real quick here in chapter 3. Here comes our friend, the train. In chapter 3, we're going to look at what daily life was kind of like in the early church in the book of Acts. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m., there were three times that the Jews prayed. It was at, at, at 9 o'clock, and at 12 o'clock, and at 3 o'clock. And we've already read where, you know, daily they were attending the temple together. So you got John and Peter, and they are both going to the temple at 3 in the afternoon for the time of prayer. So what are they doing? They're just, they're just doing the things they normally do every day. And it also says, in a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Now, if you remember, the book of Acts is about, it's not so much the acts of the apostles as it is the actions of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles for those acts. Okay? There are times that God is leading you directly. There's times that God puts something on your heart and says, I want you to go to India. God is directly leading. Like, like Paul, when they were praying and they were like, hey, let's go to, let's go to Asia and preach the gospel. Holy Spirit said, no. Let's go to Bithynia. No. That night, Paul has a vision. He has a dream and he sees a man from Macedonia saying, come help us. That's where God was leading them. Okay. 
There's times that God leads like that in your life. And then there are those times that God leads indirectly. As far as you knowing how he's leading, you don't know that. But God is leading the situation together. So what do we have? We have Peter and John going to the temple. And we have some people carrying a man who's, who's been crippled. He's lame from birth. And, we, and if you read to chapter 4, you're going to find out this man was over 40 years of age. And, and the, every day they would carry this man to the temple. And they would put him at the, at the gate called Beautiful to ask of alms of those entering the temple. Now you got to understand something about the times back then. Sad to say, but this man was born, I mean, as a baby, he, obviously there was something wrong with his legs. He really was, was a liability to his family. He wasn't able to ever grow up and work and be an asset to the family business or even start his own. To the point that he was such a liability that basically all they could do with him was they'd say, hey, we're going to take you down here and just, you know, if you can just ask for, you know, somebody coming by, if they can just spare a few change, you know. An alms is a charitable gift. It's just something. And so, what, where would you want to do this at? Well, you'd want to put him right outside the church doors, wouldn't you? I mean, these people should be the people. Why is it people, when they need money, they always hit up the churches, right? I mean, they're not hitting up the Elks Lodge or something like that. They're coming here, right? I mean, come to the church. We've had them a number of times, and praise God, they're all super Christians. You know, I mean, that happens all the time. They want to talk to Christians. You know, I, okay. The bottom line is... They put him outside the temple gate. Now, as Peter and John are walking up, they see this guy getting carried, so they put him up. I can almost see him pictured. They prop him up against the gate. He know he's done this every day for so many years. He's probably past the point of the pride problem, you know. Just get what you can, man. We'll come back and pick you up when it's over. And it says. In verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. It says, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now, I want you to understand something about this passage right here. No doubt Peter and John had been to that temple and prayed many days. They no doubt had probably seen this man many times there at the, at the, at the temple gate. But on this day is what we call a divine appointment. Similar to the divine appointment when Jesus was with his disciples and he's leaving Jerusalem, he's going to Galilee, and you never go through Samaria because those people are disgusting. You always go around but Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria today. I have an appointment there. He had a divine appointment with a woman at the, at the well. The point I'm trying to make is this. Peter and John were just going to pray. There was a man coming and all he was coming to do was beg for alms. They were just living their daily life. But the Holy Spirit had something else in mind on this day. And on this day, when this man says, can you spare some change, men? He probably wasn't even looking up at him because Peter says, look at us. And I can just picture his head raising up and he fixed his attention on them. 
And I can see his hand out, and he's expecting to, to receive something. He's like, man, this is a good start to a day. I mean, man, I didn't have much luck at noon or at 9 o'clock, but first guys I see, man, it looks like I'm going to get something. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When this man came, he was simply asking for something that was temporal. Something to just kind of get him through the day. Something he can just kind of add to what the family business was doing. It was just, it's just going to be a brief thing. It's like, here's five bucks. We're going to spin that up pretty quick. But at least we got something, right? But Peter's response is this. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold to give you. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you'll see this in several places. In 2.22, Jesus of Nazareth. In 3.16, Jesus of Nazareth. And two times in chapter 4, the same thing. They're always making sure you know which Jesus we're talking about. We're talking about that one from Nazareth. We're talking about that one that can anything good come out of Nazareth. We're talking about that one that was crucified and people are saying that God raised him from the dead. And these guys all say they're witnesses. In his name, rise up and walk. And he, talking about Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Church, what we're seeing here is we're seeing a picture of regeneration. We're seeing an outward picture of this. This man comes with nothing. He's crippled. There's nothing he can do. He's just, he's just trying to receive something temporal. Peter says, I don't have that. I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have. Now, I want to say something real quick on this. People will read this passage right here, and they'll say, hey, look what they did. We should be doing the same thing. I want to ask you something. Do, do I have the ability to go perform a miracle today? No. The apostles... We're given an ability that we don't have today. Now, there's going to be people that are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. I'm not afraid of a debate. They just haven't seen the light as much as me right now. Okay? That's the way I always look at it. That's a joke. Kind of. Let me ask you something. What do you have to give to people? Are you, are you looking for these situations are, are you are you going about seeing, I mean, just all of a sudden, here's this thing. Tyler tells me, he says, he was at Home Depot the other day. He just went in there for who knows what. Get some material, get a tool, something. There's a young lady working there. North side of Tulsa. Her name is Ebony. Now, I got to tell you something. Tyler is great at this stuff, but that dude is so awkward sometimes, and he'll even tell you. And I seen him do some of this stuff, and I just kind of want to move away from him. I'm like, I don't, I don't know him. 
He he jumps in the water, he thrashes around until he figures it out, then it smooths out. But guess what? He's looking for those opportunities. He's looking for them. What does he have to give them? Well, I can tell you, he ain't got no silver or gold. We have the gospel to share with people. He was visiting with this lady at Home Depot. Another guy comes up, sees the awkwardness. He stands off for a while. And all of a sudden, he speaks up and he says, Man, i got to be honest, I'm in a dark place right now. He gets their numbers. He says, We'd like to have you over to eat with us. A ten-minute conversation. Two months later, this young lady comes to his apartment. Kaylee's there, okay. She's going to eat with him. He breaks into more awkwardness. She's looking pretty scared, I'm figuring. And then she breaks down crying. I'm just going to tell you right now, they're all going to be somewhat awkward. They're all going to be somewhat awkward. friend of mine named John, we call him Dewey, or I call him Dewey still. He was a kid growing up. He was in Africa. He's trying to share the gospel with, he was a missionary over in Africa for about a year and a half or so, and he was over there trying to share the gospel with somebody. And this guy was going, I don't, I don't need to hear all this stuff. He said, I've got these problems. I, I got this to deal with and this and this. I don't need to hear all this. And John just keeps going in. Well, I want to tell you, though, I want to share this with you. I don't need to hear that. He's kept going on. So John finally goes, look, bud, he said, if you step out there in the road and the car runs over you, all them problems are over. But the one I'm trying to tell you about, now you get to meet that one. He goes, okay, I'll listen to you. I don't know how I went after that, but listen, the thing that is, is this. I don't have a lot to offer people either, just in worldly things, nothing like that. But the one thing that I can offer people is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone here, do you remember when he says the promise is going to come, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when it comes, you're going to receive power. To do what? To be my witnesses. You're going to have the power to proclaim the gospel to all the ends of the earth. But it starts with those that you're right around. It doesn't matter if you're on your job or if you're in school, you're out at the park, just whatever. Are you living your life day by day as a Christian? Rejoicing in what the Lord has done for you. I mean, have you ever thought sometimes, what if somebody walked up to you in this certain thing, a certain situation? Do you have to like be in shock and try to regroup to become the Christian person you claim to be? Or is it just a natural flow? It's just because that's who you are. And like, let me say something, church. I could go through the room and say, which one of those are you? And every one of you is going to say, man, I need to do better. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I hope what we get out of this today is Christ is worthy. He's not only worthy of us doing better, but guess what? He is going to help us do better. He is loving and He is kind and He is patient and He is gracious and merciful to us. But we've got to hear these things to see where we may be in order 
that we may start living our life a little bit differently or a whole lot differently than we have been. Who gave you your job? Have you climbed the ladder to the point that you're afraid to do anything because I don't want to lose? Who gave you your job? Who gave you those promotions? Do you believe that God did? One time Justin's at school. He had the worst class in history in several years. It was Kaylee's class. Not her, but the guys were horror people. Tower knew him. He preaches the gospel for an entire class. I mean, an entire hour to these guys. They had their desks shoved up around his. As he's taking them through the gospel for 45 minutes. When they said, Mr. Wright could be fired for doing this. And they're all ready to form a posse and attack everybody to try to fire him. You know, that's their mentality. And they said, can you get fired for this? And he said, I'm not worried about getting fired. He said, I would rather be fired for preaching the gospel to you than not telling you that and keeping my job. Now listen to this. It says, he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And listen, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up... He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Folks, I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment. This, listen, this, this is like, you ever seen people who were just, I mean, just the worst wretched sinners you've ever seen in your life? Skylar's not here today, okay? When Skylar came here, Cody was at work just visiting with this guy and scholars a little bit on it. He thought he was going to put it on Cody intellectually and he did, he was an atheist and all this kind of stuff. And he comes and I think he actually came to kind of try to thwart this, the teacher, whoever. Now that didn't work real well. He didn't even really try. All of a sudden, man, he's, he's just like asking all these questions and all these things. And guess what happened? God reaches in and saves this young man. He shows back up next, and the first person he sees is Randy Tyler, who's not a very hugging kind of guy. Now, I don't know if you've ran across Skylar since he's been saved, but he comes at you like this. Just get ready. You're going to get hugged, okay? The more that you realize how sinful you really are, the more excitement there is in the salvation that God has saved you with. This man knew just exactly where he was physically. He had to be carried everywhere. He couldn't walk. I don't even think he could drag himself. He was he was lame from birth. But on this day, Peter grabs him by the hand. He stands up on his feet. His legs, his ankles receive strength. Not only could he have strength, but miraculously, he could walk. He could jump. I can just see this guy dancing. I'm not going to act it out. But listen to this. It says he entered the temple. Do you know that under the law that a man born like him could never enter the temple? This sounds cruel. God says if somebody is lame, if they're crippled, if they're blind, or any, any, kind, of, any kind of flaw, they could never enter into the temple. For over 40 years, this man, all that they could do was bring him to the gate. That's all they could do. They could bring him to the gate and he could beg for alms while he watched everybody else go in. 
Except the other cripples. But on this day, he no longer has that blemish on him. He's been made perfectly whole. And entering to the temple is a picture of, for the first time ever, he is able to enter into the presence of the Lord. It's it's a picture of that. All the time before, he had to sit outside. He always had to wonder what it was like to be in there. Wonder what it's like to go in there with these two guys and pray. I've never got to do that in there. How many people are on the outside here and they drive by here and it's a church. And you know what they think about you? Oh, you're those people who have never even made a mistake. You're too, they're not even good enough to come here. Anybody ever thought that? Does anybody in here feel that way? Please don't raise your hand. Don't make me rebuke you like this, okay? We know who we were, don't we? There wasn't a one of us that deserved to be in the presence of the Lord. Just like this crippled man, God came in and He reached down and took us by the hand and He raised us up out of sin and death and He gave us life. And we were able for the first time to enter into the presence of the Lord through Jesus Christ. Now look at this. It says, He entered the temple with them. And listen, this this guy's not like anybody else that day. Everybody else is just walking in like, How you doing? How you doing? Isaiah, good to see you today. Philip, good. You're here to pray, yeah. But this one guy, he stood out. This guy's jumping and he's praising and he's leaping. And he's probably, you know, he just kind of like Boyd gets sometimes. He's just like everywhere, you know. And it says, and the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. What's that saying? What was your life like before you became a believer? Was you a vile sinner? Boyd told me what he was like. There's Boyd right now, man. We're just talking about you. Boyd told me what he was like. You know what he liked to do? He liked to pick on Christians. We're glad you're here, brother. He liked to, he didn't like, he was an atheist. He was a God hater. Guess what? He still looks pretty much the same. I thought he had a little bit longer hair back then, but they're like, I recognize him. He was that atheist. He was that guy that liked to just antagonize Christians. And now he's one of them. This guy, we, we recognize. Remember the, remember the blind man that Jesus healed? You remember him? It was, I, that's one of the, my favorite passages in the Bible. The whole ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus heals a blind man. And the people are like, they're all standing around. He's, he goes in, he's with them. And they're like, well, it looks like him. I think that's him. He, maybe he's got a twin. He's like, no, no, it's me, man. It's me. I was the blind guy. They're all sitting there in doubt. That's what happens in regeneration. We look like, we look, well... Okay, some of us look the same as we did a long time ago. I don't so much. We still look the same. But there's a noticeable change in who we are now. 
That's the big difference. Now, here's the thing. He finishes it with this. It says, they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The people are just wondering. I mean, I imagine when people look at your life. I mean, I don't know you, everybody here. I don't know exactly what your life was like. But when they hear about you. I, I know a guy lives down in Dixon and and. And I, and I work with people that he, he, wor- he used to work where I work now. And so I'd ask people, I said, hey, you guys know Rich Brown? I go, yeah, I remember Rich. Yeah, he was a really fun guy, man. Loved all you football, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then they go, man, somebody told me he's become one of them churchgoers. They're like, I don't know about that. From a distance, they're sitting there and they're looking in wonder and amazement like, what's happened to this guy? I knew what he was like and he wasn't like this. I want to ask you something. On a day-by-day basis, what does your life look like? Do you look for these opportunities? Sometimes it can be the person, the most vile person in your workplace. Sometimes it just takes somebody just saying a kind word. Sometimes it's as simple as Hey, is there anything I can pray for you about today? Yeah, you know what? It may be that awkward entrance into the water. Not sure how to get in there, but I, I, but do I care about these people? Sure, there's a lot of days that nothing's going to happen. There's going to be those times. That doesn't remove how you should live every moment of the day. You should rise up out of bed saying, Lord... Prepare me today. Let me be an instrument in your hands today. You could be on the work side. You know, I, on my job a lot of times, I hear people talking, I'll see things, I'll see Bibles in the house or whatever, and I'll, 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 I'll use any of those things. I'll say, hey, where do you go to church? Well, I ain't been in a long time, you know, but you, know, you get to talking. It could be the people you're around that you have partied with, that you have done all manner of evil with, and you're like, man, I just don't know how to do this. I'll tell you how to do it. Here's what you do in those situations. You go, hey, I need to apologize to you. What have you done? I just got to be honest with you. I'm a Christian, and man, I have not lived in a manner that would be Christ-like while we're together. And I need to ask for your... I mean, something like that. I've actually done that before. So the question is this. Are you, are you daily living as a Christian? Are you prepared? Are you ready for those divine appointments when they come? Are you, liber- are you living as though you've been delivered from this bondage like this man here? And like this man right here, are you delighting in God? To sum that up is this. Is Christ your life? Or is Christ just something you've added on to your life that as soon as the life gets too stressful and too busy, 
It's amazing to me people talk about church attendance goes down in the summertime because, well, I mean, we've got to run our kids all over the world for Little League, right? And when I say the world, I'm almost talking about the world. Parents live in their, their glory days that they thought they were that great through their children, things like that. It could be a number of things. Is Christ your life first and foremost? Or do we got to go back and take a reevaluation of our life and say, I'm a little off kilter here. And I'll just be honest with you today. I need to go back and reevaluate some things. It's easy to get caught up in things that aren't the most important and set aside the one who is most important. If you guys want to come, whoever's doing the worship. These are just some things today. I guess the thing I really want to focus on and get you to, you know, today is just this. The Christian life is not some big event thing from time to time. It is an everyday, sometimes just a grinding at the wheel, just a day by day serving the Lord. It's a continual to seeking God in prayer, looking into His Word, and then walking that out daily.